Welcome everyone to the Nerd Journey Podcast, episode number 109. We're joining you every week to talk IT career progression and bring you the advice we wish we'd been given earlier in our careers. I'm your host, John White, at vjourneyman on Twitter, joined by my co-host, Nick Cordy, at networknerd underscore. Hey, Nick, how's it going? Doing great, John. Here in Fort Worth, it's not going to be above freezing for mm, five to seven days. Yikes. Pretty crazy. But alas, we are both pre-sales technical engineers with backgrounds in IT operations. We hope our career discussions will be vendor neutral, relevant across disciplines, and remain timeless. If you're enjoying our content, please drop us a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you subscribe. And if you want to get in touch with us, tweet or DM at Nerd Journey. Ultimately, we're just two nerds on a journey. A journey to virtual enlightenment. So let's take a trip. All right. That's great, Nick. Um, sorry to hear about the uh, the weather there. That's uh, it's all right. I, Feels like winter. Yeah, it's, I guess I I didn't know that it snows in Dallas, Fort Worth. Like that's just kind of shocking does. to me. It does, and today it snowed a lot. So pretty cool. Huh. Wow. Okay. Um, well, let's uh, talk about our episode today. Uh, we have our first returning guest, Mike Burkhart. I'm pretty uh, excited about that. Um, it's a different type of interview this week. We are talking to Mike because he experienced a pretty significant personal loss and it ended up affecting his professional life as well. And um, we wanted to hear about that effect, but we also wanted to hear about that process of de- dealing with grief, uh, dealing with loss on a, on a personal basis, not just, you know, the professional effects. Right. And if it's, you know, there are parts that are going to be somber and pretty emotional. So hang in there, folks. I, I want to say that you need to pay close attention to what happened when Mike tried to go back to work after this, after experiencing this loss and trying to process it for a while. And as I was reflecting back on this episode, it made me think about the Cody de Arkland episodes, episode 85 and 86. And about how he encouraged us to listen to hear and not to respond. But this idea of letting someone talk. Mike makes a great point when someone experiences a loss and they say, I lost so-and-so who was close to me. There's nothing wrong with saying, tell me about that person as a, a way to give them the chance to talk about it. Yeah, yeah. Other than that, I'm not spoiling it. Yeah, yeah. Let's uh, let's get directly into it. Um, um, despite the somber topic, I, I really enjoyed talking to to Mike again. So here it is, episode one hundred and nine, part one. Of course, because this is the nerd journey, we can't do anything in just one part. Part one with Mike Burkhart. Mike Burkhardt, welcome back to the Nerd Journey. First repeat guest. Oh man, so nice you had to have me twice. I really That's appreciate right. you guys having me back. This is awesome. So fun fact, for those playing along at home, we mentioned in our episode 100 
that both previous episodes with Mike Burkhart reached the Nerd Journey Top 10 Most Downloaded at our 100 episode point. So really, Mike, this is about marketing. It's not about you. It's about us getting the message out. So hope that's cool. See, I was, I was going to actually talk to you guys about that because it is absolutely about me because I was the only one who downloaded that from multiple thousands of devices. It's I just really liked that episode so much that it was just... It was all me. I literally was the only person listening to it. Oh, Mike, um, you, no. You, you, no, you don't need to make excuses to talk to us. We'll just hop on a call. Like you don't need to go. Oh, I'll boost my numbers with with John and Nick, and then they'll have me back on. <laughs> I, I really, I, I, I muse about the idea that that is possible in the first place. Like, there's somebody out there that's like, oh, I gotta, gotta get my podcast numbers up. Sweet. <laughs> download it from my laptop and my desktop at work you know you you laugh about that but i remember coming across like a, a feature um at my current employer where they test um applications for mobile devices so like you know like they'll do android and um ios tests like at scale and like the um, like you know podcaster syndrome the immediate first thing i thought of was like oh, i wonder if you could like test like deploying like a, a new operating system with a podcast app and then download specific podcast episodes and boost your numbers that way. And then I luckily did not vocalize that to anybody. <laughs> so if you wonder why Nerd Journey just became in the top 500 podcasts worldwide on every platform, it's not because of that idea. It's not, <laughs> that, that never happened. That's, it's quality no, content, people. <laughs> Amazing guests, not Mike Burkhart. But anyone. <laughs> yeah, number one, Joe Rogan. Number two, Nerd Journey. Never heard of those guys, but uh, curiously, they've shot to the top of the charts in the last week. These guys are like the dark horse of podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> they, they put me on Reddit. <laughs> it was podcast bets, and it just went straight through the roof. <laughs> but yeah one of the seriously though one of the reasons we wanted to follow up with with mike was we actually have a, a totally different topic track to talk to him about today so uh, we think you'll enjoy it it's something that we have not talked to anyone about before or done an episode on so here we go yeah so mike you know, one of the things that kicked off this conversation was we saw that, you know, the last time we had you on, you were working at Nutanix, and we talked through kind of the transition through going um, to uh, Nutanix as an employer, and then we recently saw that you left. So, you know, we wanted to ask you about that transition, like, you know, if you were comfortable about talking, you know, the background about that and what happened and then what you're doing now, how what lessons you might have learned. Of course. And I, you know, again, um, so I, I, I thank you guys for having me on for this and it, it's really convenient to have the timeline that we do. Um, even though we all feel like we're in an alternate timeline because of 2020 slash 21 COVID. So, um, but that, that all plays into kind of my journey and story here. Um, so, uh, went to Nutanix, uh, solution architect in the education space, um, building content, um, helping kind of, you know, get to 2.0, 3.0 of what their uh, lab delivery structure looks like for students. Um, you know, really trying to 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 ramp up and, and vamp some of those um, some of those courses. And they, they spit out a whole bunch of other certifications that we were chasing down for educational purposes. So 
Uh, so it was a really exciting time and a lot of work to be done. A lot of really good people. The team there is awesome. Um, I, you know, I love and miss my, my people that I worked with. Um, and, uh, you know, so just to, to jump into it, um, I, uh, we, June of last year, uh, my wife and I lost a child in childbirth and, um, uh, everything was, it was a normal pregnancy, normal birth. Um, and you know, my son unfortunately was born dead and that was a huge, uh, it took a huge toll. It was a huge hit on both of us. Um, and it, it, it's confusing, right? Uh, most of us have experienced loss of, you know, elder family members and elder friends. Um, maybe even you've experienced, um, friends our age and peers, depending on what generation you are. Um, but losing a child is a really confusing experience because it's, it's loss of potential, loss of possibility. Um, you know, in certain senses, loss of naivety, uh, you know, of the, Oh, I didn't expect kids could die. That's weird. And, and when you go through the process of having a child and the pregnancy, you don't factor that in. It's not a risk that you consider. Right. Um, so, you know, here, here's the thing, like, it's really, really strange to, to know the policy of paternity leave, but then have to go back to your boss and ask for bereavement leave. Right. Um, paternity leave, in my case, I was going to get a month. Um, my bereavement leave per company policy was three days. Uh, so, which again, it's normally like the, the cultural standard of this is how long it takes you to get from, um, you know, you're notified of death and then a couple of days go by, you have a funeral and you, you know, you, uh, inter the departed and say your goodbyes. And I, I, again, since this is about grief, I don't think that any amount of time is going to give you the appropriate amount of span to grieve right? Your, your grief is yours. Your process is yours. And, uh, it takes whatever time it takes. So for me, um, my boss at Nutanix, uh, Ken Thacker, shout out. Um, he's amazing. And, uh, known him from the VMware days. Um, he gave me a month off and, you know, just immediately, like as soon as I informed him, he was like, whatever I can do. Oh my gosh, this is crazy. You know? Um, so super supportive. Um, absolutely like everything I could have asked for, uh, but you can't, right? That's, I, I kid you not. I mean, when I say I literally cried all the time, I do not want to be mistaken. I cried from the moment I woke up. I cried while I was eating. I would cry watching my son. I would cry while taking my dog out. Um, it was, you know, and, I wasn't self-destructive. I was just distraught. I was beside myself. Um, and to, to know that depth of, of grief and of loss is, you know, eye opening. It's impactful. Um, I thought to myself, you know, a, a couple of weeks in, I was like, oh my gosh, you know, like if, if I can feel like this, anybody can feel like this at any given time. You know, this is, this is just a, you know, like to, to feel so completely helpless and, um, you know, there are a lot of, my, my wife was very angry. Um, and that's a part of grief as well. I, for me, I've had problems with anger in my past, right? I've 
not uncommon for a, a guy who hasn't been taught to deal with their emotions healthily. So, you know, I, I worked with those, but at the same time was like, I don't want to be angry. I don't want to feel that. So I felt sorrow and sadness and, and just, you know, desperate. Um, and all along, like, you know, the, the people at Nutanix, like everybody in my team and everybody around me was, you know, they were sending, you know, name it like emails and texts. And I would get phone calls. They would text me and ask if they could call and, you know, whatever you need. And, you know, just every last thing, it was, it was beautiful, um, in, in light of the moment, but, um, just again, it's, it rocks your world. And I, anyone out there, um, uh, it doesn't matter who you are, what kind of grief you're going through. Um, if you are reach out, right. We've, we've all seen how 2020 has affected, you know, the health and livelihood mentally, physically, and otherwise of, of everyone that we know and care about and those in our community. So if you are grieving, uh, if you are experiencing a loss, I don't care what it is. I mean, make sure that you reach out to others, make sure you get the help that you need. And so, so desperately deserve in that time. Um, and that's, you know, ultimately, I I spent that month, you know, grieving, crying. Uh, I very much kept to myself. I'm an extrovert. I'm a talker. I, anyone that knows me knows I don't shut up. So uh, <laughs> if, if, if it takes that, you know, that meteorite to hit, you know, to hit me on the head to shut me up, I, you know, you can understand the severity of the moment. Um, so, but I, I wasn't seeking help at the time. I didn't know how. And that's for, for those of you that are, that have friends that experience grief, here's a pro tip. Um, you know, how can I help is a very powerful phrase and it doesn't involve anything on your part other than I'm so sorry, I'm here for you. How can I help? Um, if you can do that for those who suffer um, it's because in my experience, I didn't know. I had no idea. All I knew was that life sucked so bad. Life was the worst. Um, and I, luckily I did not consider suicide. I was not self-harming. Um, and again, those are things that can come up for people. And that's something you should be aware of too. Like grief is huge and it is to be respected and, you know, and, and worked through and, and unpacked. So, um, so anywho, so this whole period of time, like I said, I, I was given this gift, um, of time off work. And, you know, at the end of it, I, I talked to my boss and, you know, he was like, well, if you want more time, we can give it to you. It'll just be FMLA and it'll be unpaid. Um, but, uh, you know, that's, that's totally fine. Whatever you need. Um, FMLA by the way is I believe 12 weeks. So, um, for those of you that need that, take it, uh, if you can afford to, you know, if, if you can take that time. And that's the other thing, like it, grief is terribly complicated because your life doesn't stop. You know, you still need to feed yourself. You still need to go to sleep. You still need to take your dog out. You still need to, you know, I have a four-year-old that was, you know, he was sad the first week. And then the second week he was wondering where the baby was. And, you know, to, to face that 
and to say like you know and to retell that story was just i mean traumatic you know um but he's a blessing in and of himself you know his joy his ability to to cope with things and you know to to move with us and you know and even asking like dad why are you so sad and i was like like who is this tiny little buddha who's <laughs> it's just like trying to help me articulate my pain and and trying to help me verbalize and that's you know moving through that you know so it's really beautiful and it was it really was helpful um but i i think you know there's a point at which you need to start seeking therapy as well um whenever that is and i i had not yet after that month was done you know it was all i could do to to keep getting out of bed to keep upright uh, but i wasn't functional at the time i really wasn't you know productive by any means um but you know part of our you know part part of the the male identity is you know the provider um at least how i've been taught uh, unfortunately or fortunately whatever um so that was definitely a hey like you know you, you got to go and you got to wake up and you got to make some money and you got to put food on the table. I was like, okay. Um, so we went back to work, but I, like I said, not productive, not, you know, and there were just days and days and days I'd be crying. I would, you know, nine to five wasn't a thing. It wasn't possible. So um, I would go into, you know, go to work at seven. I would, come back up at five have dinner with my family and then continue working late into the night and uh i don't even know how much work i got done i have, I have no idea the the quantity or quality of of my production um which is also something that as a worker you're like well i want to do good work i want to you know want to do things that i want to put my name on and i want people to be able to recognize like oh that's that guy's a good worker you know no idea um, so at the end of it, I was working 16 hour days trying to just make ends meet and get things done. Um, and, uh, so finally one night, um, you know, we had transitioned my, my four-year-old to his own bedroom. Um, for those of you that co-sleep with your kids, I feel your pain. Um, this is about grief. That's, that's, that's a different podcast. A different podcast entirely is sleeping with your kids in your bed. <laughs> Uh, so we, we'd moved into his own bed and, um, it was my night, you know, and as a parent, like, you know, parenthood doesn't stop either. So, um, it's my night to, to put him to bed and, and make sure everything's cool. And, uh, had to work, you know, I hadn't gotten my stuff done for a deadline on a Wednesday. It was Wednesday morning stuff was due and it was Tuesday night at 1am and my wife comes downstairs and it was after like the fourth time my son had woken up because, you know sleeping alone and he hates it uh so don't co-sleep uh <laughs> but um you know so she comes downstairs and she's like look like I i'm not trying to get on your case or anything but it's it's one in the morning like i did this over the weekend and it was supposed to be my night last night and then it's this and da 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 and i was like you're right like you're absolutely right you know i'm i'm sorry and i'm i'm killing myself trying to get things done and i'm I'm not, I'm not being effective. I'm not, you know, um, so I, I turned in my resignation that night. Um, and it was, it was a very irresponsible move. I will say that, uh, it was not well thought out. It was not now what I had made sure of 
um, is that, you know, I had a financial planner who's a friend of the family and, you know, they had ensured that we had money saved up. Right. So they were like, look, you know, just in case of emergencies. And I was like, okay, this is the emergency. This is, this is an emergency. It really is. Um, and it is like you, you are going through the hardest time in your life. If, if you have a hard time eating, you have a hard time sleeping, you can't feel well, you know, even talking to family is hard. That is an emergency, right? Um, so another reason I, you know, talked about FMLA, like that's an emergency. Take the time, right? Ensure that you're protected during the, the periods that you struggle most. Um, so I was very, very lucky um, to be in that position. And there are people that aren't, you know, so... So we need to be cognizant of that too. It's, it's tough, but you know, do what you can to get by. Um, that period of time is, you know, those, those formative weeks and months are just crucial. So, um, so anywho, so I, you know, I, it was nothing to do with the company. It was nothing to do even with the work. Um, I, I feel like in, you know, I worked that job for almost, a year at that point and every job's got got its ups and downs but I was completely ineffective and I was unhappy with my own outcomes and you know their work doesn't stop and project deadlines have to happen and it's not like I would get fired it's not like I wouldn't have gotten fired it's just you know I I couldn't take the stress of it so I I imploded um so that happened um I think the thing about emergencies is that you can't, you know, foresee them, right? You don't know what it is that's going to hit you that you're going to have that reaction from. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And and it was a very interesting kind of slow build for me. You know, I, I know some people have immediate reactions to stuff. Some people, you know, everybody has their own way of feeling, thinking, doing, acting, you know. And for me, it was... I'm trying to get over it. I'm trying to get past it. Um, and there's no, there's no getting over grief. There's working through it. There's accepting it and integrating into your person. Right. Um, so it's another thing I want to emphasize too, is if, if you are a grieving person or if you know someone that's grieving, don't hope that you get over it. There's no unlosing something, you know, there's no, no undying a person. So, um, you know, take that to heart and, and really, focus on the healing, focus on the, the integrating. Um, so yeah. And, and, and like you said, an emergency, um, you do what you do to survive. It's an emergency situation. And if I could tell myself what I know now, um, I would say reach out to your anchors um, and by that, I mean, you know, reach out to the people or uh, places or activities that root you in your humanity. Um, they don't have to make you feel good. Uh, if they do, even better. But they have to ground you and and balance you, right? Because um, you're, you're a spinning top that's wobbling like crazy and you want to keep spinning, but you, you have this huge weight on one side that's completely trying to topple you over every day. And 
your first thought is, I want to throw this weight off. I just want to get rid of it. Just forget about it. It's fine. You can't. That weight has, and what you have to do as a spinning top is you slow down, you adjust the weight, and you eventually learn that it's not a weight at all. It's a part of you. And that's not a bad thing. It is growth. It is life. So, but you, in the moment, ah, I can't, ah, you know, and it's, it is, it's ground zero, right? And you're in emergency mode. So, so the reactivity and, you know, gosh, as IT people, don't we talk about reactive versus proactive all the time? Oh, you really want to get on the front foot. You really want to start doing some things that are business revenue generating and make IT more of a business partner or, a, you know, a business value center for the and. You know, and in my own life, I'm like, uh, I don't know. I'm just going to sit here and watch everything burn. <laughs> I can't I can't be proactive <laughs> about any of that. I don't know. <laughs> I'm well, getting all it's... these alerts. What do I do? Right? <laughs> just watch your inbox fill up is what you do. <laughs> well, I think, you know, it's it's so, you know, obviously, you know, we're, I think Nick and I both are really sorry to hear that you went through this loss. And, and especially, you know, the the grief afterwards, like, you know, I think is something that, um, you know, all of us, like you said, have probably gone through, you know, like loss is just, you know, loss of a child is like this, you know, specific thing that is, you know, you know, horrific. And, um, you know, I think the thing that you called out specifically is the, the loss of potential, right? Like the dreams and hopes and, and having those things just kind of suddenly cut out from underneath you. And, you know, you know, I don't think that I had any idea that you're going through this, but, you know, I do think that, um, that emotional reaction is just something that like, you can't judge yourself for, you know what I mean? It's your emotional reaction is what it is. And we all hope that we're like, you know, putting like emotional funds in the bank so that we have like that strength, you know, later on, to, you know, to make withdrawals, right. And, and to get through hard times, but it also just doesn't work like that. You know, yeah, <laughs> I'm going to pay it forward. I feel great today. And I'm going to just put this in my emotional bank. And, right. Yeah. And, and really what you are is a child who skinned their knee for the first time. You know, the first time you experience anything, it it's a, Oh my God, oh, the world's ending. And you know, somebody has to come along and help you out and say like, yeah, I'm sorry that this is happening to you. And what can we do? And I don't know. I just want to sit here and cry. Well, do that. Okay. But yeah, I mean, it's, I, <laughs> it cracks me up thinking about that because it really was like, there, there was a part of my ego that was like, well, I'm, I'm built of stern stuff so I can get through this. And then, you know, that part of me was like, but I'm also going to cry every day because <laughs> I'm totally terrified. <laughs> So, well, yeah, I think you're also touching on that, like, like, you know, toxic masculinity, I think that we've talked about, you know, before, mm -hmm. um, in our conversations where it's like, there's, we have this model in our mind for like how we're supposed to handle things, you know, um, especially as men. And it's like, you know, if your reaction doesn't match that, then somehow you're a failure. And I mean, I just, you know, culturally, like we need to bring people up differently in order to avoid that. And if you have been brought up that way there, you know, it's just an instinctual reaction. It's just kind of baked into like how you react to things. And I don't know how you can get away from that. I'll, and, 
you know, especially with such a trauma, it's tough to take a step aside, you know, to step aside from your own feelings and like do some self-analysis and say, oh, well, you you know, probably, you know, this is what's going on. And, you know, if if you were able to do that, then you wouldn't be having a problem in the first place, right? Right. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunate irony. <laughs> well, it's interesting because, you know, Mike, you had to process your grief, your wife had to process, and also your four-year-old had to process. And Mm -hmm. he's not developed emotionally and and all those things so you've got to help him while you're going through it too and while it is not the same disclaimer mm -hmm. i i do remember when uh, my stepmother-in-law had a stroke on new year's day in 2016 and eventually passed away and my daughter you know wasn't that old at the time like 7 right and so she's still learning about what death is and and like she had nightmares mm -hmm. for the longest time and thought that if someone goes to the hospital, they're probably going to die. And so, you know, it was one of those things as a male, you're like protector of the family too, right? And I can't fix this problem for her. The best way to fix it for her is to not shield her from all the funeral stuff, but to allow her to experience it so that when something like this happens again she'll be able to to process it mm -hmm. but yeah, unfortunately because something will happen again we're gonna lose someone i hate saying it but yeah it's inevitable that's and and i'm you want to take a minute to say i'm i am sorry for your loss i mean that's a loss of parents loss of children I, grief is you know it's the beauty is in the eye of the beholder so is grief you know, uh, it's, it's different for everyone and our processes are all different, but, um, they, they leave an impact and, and you're right. It is part of the cycle of life. Um, it, it is absolutely, I, I wish I would have, you know, taken this to heart personally. Like I like to tell my son, you know, every, you know, everyone who's alive has been born and they will die and that's just normal. And, um, you know, death is a part of life and we can't ignore that. And, uh, but you're, I mean, you're, you're absolutely right. Um, the, the integration for the child is very tricky. Um, and, and watching them play things out I, and <clears throat> not to be too like weird or anything. And I guess this gets edited out later if it's inappropriate, but, uh, <laughs> my, my son, you know, he would, we would take him to the playground. Um, and, uh, he yes we went to playground uh it was before the lockdown stuff and don't give me covid crap you crazy people i wear a mask shut up um <laughs> so that's all i'm gonna hear if after this podcast goes live it's gonna be like burkhart took his kid to a, a playground during covid <laughs> yes we were can't believe masks. that guy i know <laughs> the jerk um <laughs> but we were, we were all wearing masks and everything was fine and the playgrounds were still open at the time so have at it um so, but my son, <laughs> it's like so, so dark. My son was playing with some other kids he didn't know. And they were all talking about like, you know, their friends and stuff. And like, hey, why don't we play house? And my son said, great, let's play house. And we could pretend like the baby died. And I just looked over. I was like wide eyed. Yeah, right? John's giving me this look like he's like, oh, gosh. <laughs> and that was my response. <laughs> I was just like... And I didn't, I just, I let it play out, right? Because this is, this is part of how children process, 
right? They, they process through play. They process through the, the living aspect of it. Um, you know, it's not until you're an adult that you get all crazy into your head and pent up and you have all sorts of weird rationale of why you're not going to fix yourself. Cause otherwise you'd probably try to play it out too. Um, so he was really going through his own process. Mike, you know, I don't want to break in here too much, but don't worry. Like you can just over time, I think you can teach him to like, just really stuff those feelings down and, and, and not say those things out loud and, and not deal with his emotions and pain. And, and then eventually he can be on a podcast about dealing with, uh, his, uh, yeah. I really, I really feel, you know, I came from an Italian and German family, so it was finish your plate and always have seconds. And, uh, and on top of which it was eat your feelings. So I can definitely, <laughs> it's like, why don't we just have a cheeseburger instead? It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I feel better after you eat, <laughs> man. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt. So no, no, you're fine. <laughs> no, I, I, I totally, totally understand though. It's like, sometimes you see like the truth, you know, through your kids and kids in general about like, oh, this, you know, the way that we do things is cultural adaptation. It's not like the natural state, mm-hmm. right? We, the natural state, you know, before we learn all these like cultural norms is to talk about things, is to play about those, you know, things and, and kind of work through our feelings that way. And, you know, later on we learn, oh, I could, you know, just distract myself by doing something else and yeah. ignoring the problem. I, <clears throat> I I cycled uh, a couple times through that, which was weird. I I tell you what, like stages of grief were very strange for me. Um, and there's no anybody that tells you there's only like five stages of grief and they go in this progression. It's that's not a thing, right? Like this grief is grief. If you go through those five processes and serial, great the textbook, good job. Uh, I don't know, you know, like it's, it wasn't like that for me, right? I, grief comes in many different forms and it cycles and it ebbs and flows. And, um, you know, it doesn't get easier. There's something my grief counselor, I, I started seeing a grief counselor uh, last August, I want to say, it was right after I quit my job. And um, and she, she loves to say uh, life does not get, you know, life, it doesn't get easier. It gets less hard. And, you know, kind of like the, the whole idea I said before about the spinning top integrating the weight. It's just like that. It is, it's literally, you know, life does not get, grief does not get easier to bear, but it's not harder over time. Um, but it, it does come in cycles. There were days where, like, I, you know, like I said, there are days where I just, I wouldn't get out of bed, literally. Um, and there are days where when I didn't cry, I felt guilty. I felt real bad about not feeling bad, um, which is weird. Like, what is what? Like, I'm having a neutral day and I'm I'm not like completely debilitated by my loss. And all of a sudden I'm feeling bad about like what? <laughs> but now it's like survivor's guilt for like grieving. Like, it's like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm not feeling as bad and I should be. So what's wrong with me? So then you start feeling bad about that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Then, then you get on your own case about feeling bad about stuff, and that's just a beautiful cycle. <laughs> well, I shouldn't be feeling bad. I shouldn't be telling myself stuff. Well, you're talking to yourself. You're crazy. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, so it's, you know that's. I'll tell you one one unique thing um, 
that I learned through this process. So, so having a stillborn child um, is even saying that it feels like a pariah. It feels like this very taboo subject and it's not, it, it's been happening since the, the advent of mankind. Like one in, in the United States, one out of 160 children die during childbirth. That means that there are about any, any given year, there are 25 to 40,000 parents who are grieving the loss of their children. Right. Um, and that sucks. That's a really big number. Um, but if you look at other developed countries, like I think in uh, in the UK, I think it's like one out of 200, maybe. I, maybe they have a little bit better luck for some reason. But um, they have national health care. I mean, I wasn't going to say it, but since we're on the topic, like, yeah. <laughs> and they, their home births are legal and, you know. Women have autonomy over their bodies. No big deal. It's fine. Um, Hashtag so, politics. Right. <laughs> we're not here to talk about politics. We're talking about grief. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> got to rein myself in. Um, but now, so, um, you know, so, so child, child death, right? During childbirth, stillborn children um, happen and they're a very natural part of the birth process that, we, again, like I said before, it's not a risk we want to consider when having a child. It's not something you focus on. It's not even on the horizon. You're just like, everything's going to go fine. I'm going to have a kid, and hopefully they got 10 fingers and 10 toes and blah, blah, blah. Um, but when it happened, um, I was faced with a really unique situation of every time someone said, I'm sorry, I'm sorry for your loss, I, you know, I, I'm here for you, what do you need? I didn't care. Um, it didn't land with me very well because I felt um, very strongly that they didn't know what I was going through and they wouldn't. And why would you, you know, that, and, and I don't know why that and my wife, my wife felt the same. I've talked to other people who've lost children and uh, you know, there's actually entire communities formed around this very same topic um, because it's such a really strange loss right um and grief there it's psychologically speaking there's like over 200 forms of grief or something that you know they categorize by very different uh you know loss of gr grief in the form of loss of trauma uh you know loss of innocence loss of control loss of uh, identity or uh, association you know so there's there's tons and tons of different ways of experiencing grief and this one in particular not like anything else I've been through and uh, definitely needed a Sherpa. Like my grief counselor is my favorite person. Um, and I'm, I'm not just saying that because I'm going to make her listen to this podcast, but it's uh, <laughs> um, part of your download number strategy, right? <laughs> she's, she's going to be at least number two for this episode. Um <laughs> <laughs> but um no like it, it really is one of those things where like you're just like oh my gosh like I, I need to know that somebody feels or has felt this way before and how do I get out of this how do because you feel like you're in molasses right like emotionally you have this like Ugh, like I can't move. I can't like all of all of the things that I was preparing for. And birth is this very volcanic, bad analogy, um, moment that is just like 
you know, like build up, build up, build up, build up, like, oh, we're pregnant, it's all happy, okay, we're going to have a baby, and then, like, nine months later, it is the one day you're off to the races, like, it is a, right, my water, oh, we got to go to this, oh, we're going to the hospital, pack a bag, did I pack a bag, I don't know, somebody take care of the dog, you know, and it is super, like, nerve-wracking, because it's unexpected, and then, if you put death in there, It is it's the most like wicked thrown for a loop kind of thing you will ever experience because it's just like, uh, uh, like, you know, toss out the idea of the record skipping in the party kind of thing, right? Like this is an absolute like someone unhitched the train and it ran into a mountain that didn't have a tunnel. Like it's just it's insane. Is the experience is just unreal, um, and to have that kind of that kind of experience to me was just nuts um and so and and i i just sunk into it and it's just like well nobody nobody knows what this feels like and i don't know i don't know i think that's that's like kind of a valid feeling right because it's Mm -hmm. it's you know a huge number of people but it's still a tiny population of people right and it's not like it's naturally self-organizing right it's not like a natural like publicized part of life, like, um, you know, people who are dealing with this, you don't just see like billboards around, right? So, you know, I think it's very natural for you to like kind of tease out the idea that people might be feeling sympathy, right? This kind of like, like intellectualization of, I understand that you must be going through a lot, but not empathy. Like I felt what you're feeling Mm -hmm. and, you know, I know exactly what that pain is and, and especially, like you said, you know, looking for a guide or a Sherpa to say, no, I've I've been on this trail before and let me show you the way and let me carry part of the load, right? Like that's exactly what we need in that situation or in a lot of situations like this. And it's very difficult to ask for that or even to know that it is something that you can ask for. Absolutely. And it's just, it's so fascinating to me to kind of, go over it again um so you know here here's another kicker and it's really interesting um death is fairly taboo in western society we don't really enjoy talking about it it's fairly distasteful for some reason um but if you talk about you know so you know nick you talked about your uh your mother passing um you know if you talk about oh my grandfather died when i was 10 you know that's unfortunate i'm sorry for your loss you know um we don't normally follow up those conversations with tell me about him. You know, tell tell me about that person. How, how did they, you know, how do you remember them? What impact did they make on your life? And that's, that's really the conversation we should have about grief. If, if we have that moment with someone and they're vulnerable enough to share, then we should meet them in that vulnerability right in in any certain way now if somebody at the bus stop is just like oh my dad died and you're like i'm sorry for your loss that's an appropriate response you know you may not give that person a hug if you don't know them like i get it right (laughs) Uh, (laughs) who's that guy i don't know some bum he lost his dad it's weird i just you know he's crying on my shoulder like we may not do that i get that they're they're social contracts (laughs) you have to uphold but um but it, but in that space, you know, if someone is grieving, to reach out to them and to really give, to give of yourself if if you can, right, uh, is huge, 
and and to boot in that situation if you're going to be honest if you're going to be like you know if you really want to be helpful uh give that person what they need or what they ask and not necessarily what you think they want right i encountered this a lot it's really just it's a sticky wicket it is a very awkward conversation to have with people when they ask you what you need and please say lasagna please say lasagna right <laughs> like come on come on like let it be stromboli uh <laughs> Had a my my Italian grandmother used to make um, sitesetis, and uh, I found out many years later it's not called sitesetis; it's called brujol. Um, but other Italians have confirmed and denied this, depending on you know where in the boot they're from. So <laughs> I'm still confused <laughs> as to what that dish is. Um, anyway, so uh, but yeah, I, I had this very interesting. You know, and, and delicate dance to weave with like family and friends, especially very close family, because I didn't feel like being around anybody. And my parents constantly asked if they could come up and watch our son and, and take the dog out and be with us. And I was just like, I'm not letting anybody in the house right now, you know. Um, and, and they, you know, to be honest, they, they were very hurt by that. And I, I understand that, you know, but at the same time, I'm like, those are your emotions and these are mine. And we need to have that separation right now because... I I lost a child. Like I'm, I'm sorry that you want to come up here and help, and and that sounds great in any other situation, but right now can't. You know, so it's important to set boundaries. It's re like absolutely cut a lot because if you if you give too much of yourself or if you make choices that don't feel right for you, that can be even more traumatic than just saying no, right? Well, I mean, there's always the potential of like all of a sudden now you're caring for other people's emotions as well as like dealing with the trauma of your own. Right. Mm -hmm. That's and yeah, to be honest, that's actually part of the reason why I felt really empowered on the whole, I, I want to talk to people who have lost children. Right. Um, because there is that, that, that identity, there is that, um, that understanding and, you know, some some of the stuff you shouldn't tell to people who are grieving it's you know like if if someone lost a child you don't say oh you can always have another one like that was like, a couple oh my times. goodness i know <laughs> i know <laughs> but if i said like oh you can always have another grandpa <laughs> like no it's like wow that person does they're still gone that still sucks <laughs> still it's like we're making the top 10 late show lists of things you shouldn't say yeah <laughs> Yeah. The message is your children are replaceable. Yes. Oh yes, and, and they're all identical terrible. by the way. They're the yeah. same thing. They're just cogs. You just pop another one out, it's fine. Yeah, uh, not like each one had a unique eternal soul or anything like that. No. no, no or that I have any kind of trauma associated with this loss. Like no. this specific event. Yeah. <laughs> just just have a different event with a different outcome. It's fine. Right. And that will <laughs> completely erase this. I th hey Mike, I think I think John said something to this effect when we recorded our supporting colleagues of color episode that when you're hurting in a way like you describe when someone asks you what you need, it's like they give you homework. True. Is that did I capture that right, John? 
Yeah, it can be like that, right? And different people have different experiences. But I think sometimes, and you know, this is the tough thing about human beings, right? It's like, I need you to come up with a way for me to support you. Is like, is like, it's really an assignment and an obligation rather than an offer of support. Or it can be that way. And sometimes it's exactly what people need. It's it's rough. It's a rough situation. Mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, the answer to that question could be, I need you to go away. Like, okay, and, and do that. Because that's, if someone's saying that, that's their healthy boundary. And that's their like, I, I can't handle this right now. And I, this is unproductive. And for you to say, you know, my gift to you is to have peace and calm and to not have anxiety about this interaction because I'm not trying to harm you. You know, I'm, I'm trying to give you a gift. And if my gift is your solitude or your space, fantastic and have it. And, you know, and, and that's the other thing, like the, I, I didn't really know how to respond to that question either. Um, if you think through, you know, for, for those of you that do have friends or family that are grieving, um, if you think through what people need on a daily basis, right? We need food. You know, we of course are going to need tissues. There are going to be a lot of wet eyes in the house. So probably the the moisturized ones, not the, the grainy one ply. It's just I'm Stop shopping at the dollar store, people. This is all I'm saying. <laughs> Crying out loud. Um you know, it doesn't have to be like Cottonelle, whatever lotion thing. Make sure it's not the smeary lotion either. The Cool Touch ones, I really liked those. Those were nice. Because um, I, yeah. I feel a blog post coming on is like the appropriate uh, grief gear. Is is that what I'm hearing? <laughs> I feel like this is gonna be like eventually the Nerd Journey sponsored by Kleenex. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have them in Audible, so we're getting there, John. <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it, the, the <laughs> I totally lost my train of thought on that. That's hilarious. We're all about um, the derailment, man. This I know. Is, we bring you on to derail your, your trains of thought. Hashtag squirrel chase. <laughs> now, you were talking about, like, you know, listening to what people actually need and maybe anticipating it. So sometimes yes. offers of help, help can be like, you know, um, tell me what it is that I can do for you. Like, for example, I could bring over dinner or lunch or go shopping for you or this or that. And sometimes that's what people need and sometimes not. Sometimes they just need, you know, expressions or, or a hug, you know, the way you said, you know, a lot of times it's just dependent on that person and your relationship. It's, it's so difficult, but you know, you know, life is risk and you have to, you know, if you really care about somebody and want to support them, then you got to take that risk and offer that support. Mm-hmm. And it, you know, apropos of that um, that line of thinking so there's interestingly enough there's a book called the five love languages normally handed out to married couples and um, I, I don't think it's necessary for you to be married or even in a relationship um, it's just a, a really revealing book about human nature and it's about you know the five different ways that people receive love and um, so it's 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 good to point out that you know some people may receive gifts well and feel loved because of that. Some people may feel spending time is the way that they can interact and really feel, you know, fill their cup. Um, and, and that's, you know, 
and we experience these multiple different ways. It's not just like one out of five is the way that I feel loved. It's you have varying degrees of, of gray shades. But um, during during my worst time of grieving, it was really helpful for me that people would bring food, you know, um, and, and, you know, made the comment before jokingly about eating my feelings. But, uh, you know, you you don't feel like eating sometimes, or maybe you feel like eating all the time. I actually, I'm a healthy eater, uh, and I wasn't trying to starve myself, but I just did not eat well at all during that time and had plenty of food. Uh, again, thank you, Ken Thacker and the people at Nutanix, um, and all of our friends surrounding us. Um, but I just, it just couldn't, couldn't eat, couldn't bring myself to do it. Um, we had actually a postpartum doula that we had already hired and paid for, uh, which was very strange. Um, she, and she's still committed to working with us. So instead of her taking care of our child, um, you know, she was doing laundry and cleaning house and helping us, you know, luckily enough. And I will say this, uh, we got spoiled, um, like hashtag earned it, I guess. Um, <laughs> she was a massage therapist, so she would give us massages. Um, and, uh, so I, I would say too, like, it's a really weird thing, but like that level of grief and stress, it absolutely takes its physical toll. Um, I threw my back out. I kid you not. I spent seven days in bed and, uh, got prescribed some painkillers and the doctor was like, well, if it doesn't get better, well, looking at this physical therapy or something. And I'm like, why, why did I like, why, why did my psoas muscle cramp up to the point of me not being able to walk? And he's like, you've been crying all the time. Every muscle in your body is tense. I was like, we just got a massage. He's like, that doesn't matter. <laughs> like, and it's just, it's fascinating in retrospect, the, just like that level of impact, you know? So, you know, so food, yep. Buy people massages if they, if that's okay for them, they may not want to be touched. That's also a thing. So, but, um, well, that's a really good menu option. I hadn't even thought about that. Like some kind of like physical touch, like, um, as a, as a coping mechanism, like massage. Yeah. And it's one of the five love languages touch, right? That's actually my, my major one. It's really funny. I, my wife is like, so if I just like pat you on the shoulder, I was like, feels good. Like it. Like, definitely would do again, you know, like, oh, so holding hands is nice. Yeah, totally great. Um, so, but, you know, again, it, it goes to that, right? Like how you want to help a somebody. If you, if you Google Maslow's hierarchy, if you don't know what it is, <laughs> then that's a very easy one to, to take a shot at and say the basic level of Maslow's hierarchy is what you need to fulfill. This person who's grieving is not self-actualizing. That's the top of the pyramid. The bottom of the pyramid where they like need food, water, shelter, that's where you want to aim, right? Because the bar is fairly low. Don't, don't like overshoot it. Don't be like, I'm going to get you a trip to Disneyland. That's not really the occasion. Um, but look at the basics. You know, if they have pets, take, offer to take care of their pets or water their plants or whatever it is, right? Um, and that's, we, we had a lot of help and, I would have taken more if it was offered, right? I just every and anything. Um, so, and it's hard, it's hard to reach out because you're just, you know, you're crying all the time. You're distraught. So. And actually people 
find it difficult to be around people who are in need and who are experiencing grief. So like part of the taboo against like death is also this taboo of like embarrassing people by being around them, like when they're grieving or, or something like that. There's, it's some hazy, like societal norm that it's difficult to put words on where it's like, Oh, I don't want to be around that. Or, you know, somehow it's catching, you know, that's like a, like a weird attitude that sometimes we have is like, Oh, if I'm around sad people too much, maybe I'll be sad, you know? And there's just a lot of weird stuff going around, uh, um, in our society that, you know, keeps us from helping and reaching out to people. But you should be okay with being sad with someone else who's sad. Yeah, absolutely. You know? Yeah. Jesus and said, mourn with those who mourn. <laughs> yeah. You yeah, know? Well, I mean, there's a bunch of different models. You know, you could use, you know, uh, Maslow. You could use, you know, some kind of... Um, you know, religious grounding, you could use the five love languages. There's all these different models that you can use to offer help. And, um, you know, the model that a lot of people use is avoidance, (laughs) you know, (laughs) like that's the the worst option, right? Uh, I hope they're okay. very intense topic um but i found it very valuable to listen to uh, mike's experience and and the discussion i especially liked you know that thing that we were ending with there which was mike's thoughts on how to support somebody who's going through a tough time uh personal loss um in his specific case you know the um maybe giving them a, uh, a menu of things that you could do for them uh, rather than uh, I think my thought at the time was like asking them to come up with <laughs> ways uh, for them to help you. Like kind of like, here's a homework assignment. <laughs> here's additional things that I need you to do um, on top of everything else. And his thoughts about Maslow's hierarchy of needs and, and kind of starting at the bottom of that pyramid and, you know, food, shelter, you know, those types of things, what can I do to help you support you there? Um, and the, only then if, if those things are handled, you know, moving up, you know, the, the, the ladder or the pyramid. Yeah. I really like that. And I was thinking about what Mike said in regard to it being challenging to accept people's condolences who he felt had not gone through the same thing or didn't understand what he had been through. He just, it just kind of bounced off. And he talked about how different people experienced the grief in different ways. He was extremely sorrowful. His wife felt a bunch of anger and his son, you know, was still trying to process everything that happened. So different different strokes for different folks, different ways to process. And I, I like the menu approach because it it tries to cater to most of those since you don't necessarily know just in an initial conversation how someone is dealing with it, uh, if they'll even open up about it to yeah, you. Yeah, absolutely. I really liked 
you know, that reference that that connection you made to maybe a specialized group for grief around that specific thing, like, you know, death of a child, you know, because maybe there's only insights that people with that experience can, can offer each other. Um, and not everybody's like that and not every experience is like that, but, you know, maybe thinking about that and not saying, well, I know what you are going through because of this thing that is not exactly like that. Right. So hundred percent. Well, I'm really looking forward to sharing uh, part two next week. Um, anything else before we uh, call it quits for the evening? Nope. Just a reminder, we want people to subscribe and give us a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. We want to know if we're being helpful and are always looking for interesting questions to ponder. We're collectively on Twitter, at Nerd Journey. All right. Farewell, listeners. Uh, thanks for joining us on this uh special and maybe slightly different uh, edition of the Nerd Journey podcast. Uh, Tune in next time as the journey continues. I'm John White at VJourneyman for Nick Cordy at NetworkNerd underscore signing off. Adios. Adios.